All right. Hello, everyone. It has been quite some time for me since my last episode, but I've been just kind of tucked away on my own, just reflecting and finishing out my sabbatical year, which ended in December, or at least technically January 1st. And so right now I'm in a place where I'm praying and asking God for direction in terms of where to go in terms of ministry full-time or whatnot. And so as I'm kind of ramping up and gearing up again to go into ministry, I decided to just restart a lot of the things I put on hold just to kind of reflect and heal and process a lot of things, which I'm not done yet. Um, I think we are never fully done processing things. There's always new things that pop up with time and as we mature in age and gain even new experiences. And so I would say I got a good chunk of processing done and I am a little different in my opinion. Maybe some others will say not really, but who knows. But uh, I'm ready to get back into it, into the thick of things and come out of my cave and shell and really interact and minister to people once again. So one step forward will be this podcast as I am trying to do whatever I can to build God's kingdom and build his people as we are marching forward every day towards his comeback. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through uh, books of the Bible, mainly based on the devotionals that I have been posting on my Instagram uh, which I haven't posted in a while because again I took a huge break. Um, not that I've not that I haven't been doing devotionals. I have been, but uh, I just been kind of cataloging them. And so we're actually going to go to Habakkuk. Um, I know some people say it differently, but I'm going to just say it like this: Habakkuk. And it's a short book, three chapters only, but it's going to deal with a lot of things that I feel are going to really resonate with people who have crisis of faith when there's moments where your faith takes a hit because of your circumstances or whatnot which i can testify that my faith has been hit hard for the past couple years and my expectation didn't meet my reality and how does god deal with that how do we deal with that and so that's what we're going to deal with when it comes to habakkuk but let me pray and then we'll get started lord we just thank you for this time and holy spirit do what only you can do as always and as we are trying to move forward with our lives may we not move forward carrying things that we should not carry if it is bitterness lord heal us from our bitterness so that we may be joyful and hopeful if it is anger that we're holding on to may we find peace as you are the prince of peace And if we are in a place where we are either delusional or discouraged or just distraught, Lord, may you sit with us in those moments and show us the posture that we need to have by your grace. And you say, I pray. Amen. All right. Habakkuk. It's one of the smaller books in the old testament near the end of the old testament uh not often preached on not often people read it but i think actually if i think about it mm, i would say it's one of my favorite books in the bible i would say hebrews is still number one and this is probably a close number two if not a 1.5 if there was ever a metric now 
what is going on with Habakkuk? What's going on? Because we're kind of like jumping into a middle of a story when we go into Habakkuk because it's like when you look at the history of Israel, a lot of these books, especially the prophetic books, they are books that you kind of jump into in the middle of a story. So if you don't know the background, you should read the if you really want to know background, background, read first, second Samuel, then the first and second Kings and the Chronicles, because that really gives you a picture of what's really going on in Israel state. And all the prophets are relating to those historical events in those books. All right. So let's look at Habakkuk. What's going on? Israel is sucking pretty much right They're in this. They're in that phase where they are not trusting in the Lord. So, and there's four nations that are just conquering the world, right? And so Babylon is just doing its thing and eventually Assyria and all those other countries. And one of the main things that's going on is that there's a lot of corruption in Israel, right? And they're looking for help in all the wrong places. And more in particular, two nations in Egypt and Assyria. Now, What's more interesting about Egypt is, historically speaking, Egypt was their place of exodus, was their place of freedom. It represents the season of their lives, Israel's history, where they were enslaved. And Egypt was the place where God touched down and really delivered them, and they become a nation of slaves to a nation of God's people. So their identity shifts. So it's a place where identity shifted from slavery to freedom to enslaved and a place where they're no longer enslaved but learning how to walk as pretty much children of God, right? So it's a it's a different dynamic. But it's interesting how when given enough time that when we are struggling that we are called to look to God, go to God, but strangely enough, we often go back to the places that we are more familiar with or have come from, even though that that place or even that person was wrong for us. So, for instance, uh, give you a classic example, drugs, right? If someone has been delivered from drugs, oftentimes they are called to not go back to that, right? More oftentimes than not, if not all the time. They're called to not ever go back to that as a either coping mechanism or a place of like comfort because in the end, it may comfort you for a moment, but it's detrimental for you for a lifetime, right? And when people go back to it, it's strange, but it makes sense that people who have been free from that will go back to that, whether it's because of past addictions or just it's a familiar place. Same thing with toxic relationships. Oftentimes, people get stuck in toxic relationships is because that's what they're comfortable in, in the sense that that's what they know. And even though it's harmful for them, because they rather accept what they know than embrace something new that they don't know, the unknown, they'll go back to embracing the discomfort of the previous relationship, previous situation, or whatnot, right? So... We're looking at the situation, and Habakkuk, a prophet, is dumbfounded, and he doesn't know why things are going the way they are. He's he's vexed, if you will say. And so that's one of the main topics. You see this conversation happening between Habakkuk and God, where it's like this back and forth where 
Habakkuk complains, God responds, Habakkuk complains again, and we're going to see why that happens, but how that is oftentimes a mirror of our faith a lot of times, right? We have this dialogue with God, and it's not this smooth, linear path where it's like A, B, C, D, and then we just keep going, and it's a perfect like answer. But oftentimes, our walk with God is not a straight line. It's has all these curves, oftentimes even taking steps back. And we are learning what it means to struggle with God, in God, for our ultimate growth in the image that he has for us, not what we think we should be, right? And so let's look at the situation. Habakkuk chapter 1. Uh, we're just going to touch chapter 1 today. And then, as you can tell, if it's three chapters, we're going to do three episodes on this, all right? So... Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2, it says this. I'm reading from ESV. If you hear a lot of wind and banging, it's really windy in Jersey right now for some reason. I don't know why. Apparently it snowed last night. So forgive me if I can't get that audio out. Verse 2. Oh, Lord. This is a Habakkuk complaining. It literally says in the header, Habakkuk's complaint. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see inequity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. All right. So we're seeing the situation where Habakkuk complains, right? He's revealing his perception or how he sees things through this complaint. And that's what complaint is, right? One aspect of complaint is you're revealing how you're seeing a situation or a person. Now, is that correct? More oftentimes than not, not really. But sometimes, yes. But so when you see Habakkuk's complaint, see verse 2 and 3, he says, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help? Now that might be true, and most likely is. But the second line, and you will not hear. So his perception in his complaint is a perception about who God is, right? He's like, I cry out to you, but you're not listening. And oftentimes when we pray and we don't get what we get, what we want, is this not our conclusion? God must not be hearing me or God is not listening to me. He may not be listening to what you want, but he's definitely listening right just because and this is a this is a pretty simple teaching for anyone in the faith usually given to those who are a little bit younger in the faith but it's also for the veterans in case we need a reminder which oftentimes we do is just because god didn't say yes to your prayer doesn't mean he didn't listen or he didn't answer because oftentimes there's only three ways he's going to answer your prayer either yes no or later right it's either yes no or later and just because we didn't get it yes we assume that it was god didn't listen or he's not listening what if he just said no or what if he said later and so that's why when it comes to walking with god it's a marathon a marathon of trust and every opportunity especially in the silence is an opportunity to grow in your trust and faith it is not saying that god is evil and so Habakkuk, in verse 2, he lays out his perception. 
He's crying out, nothing's happening. That's true. Because corruption is still ongoing. And then he makes another perception revelation. God, why aren't you hearing me? And he says, I cry out to you violence and you will not save. So he's being raw and honest, which I believe a lot of times our prayers, we need to be more honest with God and not more flowery with God. And what do I mean by that? Oftentimes we are churched into believing to fake it till we make it. God doesn't need you to fake it to make it. First of all, you and I in our own power can never make it in the sense of being perfect, quote unquote, Christians. What we're called to do is be authentic, raw and real before the Lord God who sees all. We can never trick God with fancy language, fancy prayers, because he wants our genuine prayers, right? And so it doesn't mean we can disrespect God or just yell at him or in the sense that we just, you know, curse him out. That that don't do that. <laughs> that's going to go that's going to go terribly wrong for you. But be genuine. I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to our faith that if we can really be authentic and vulnerable, then oftentimes it really will push back against the, the religious allure to be hypocritical, to save face. Because religion bases its foundations on perception of the outward appearance. But faith or true religion is about being authentic and genuine, almost, you could say, transparent, right? And so Habakkuk is being transparent here. He's revealing his how he really sees it. It may or may not be right. More oftentimes it's not. And so he goes to God. And Habakkuk is a picture, a parallel to Israel. So Israel is not going to God. They're going to Egypt and Assyria, foreign nations that eventually will just backstab them anyway, which reveals their lack of relationship with God because they're not going to him. And you see Habakkuk, the prophet, going to God, even though he may not be in the right state of mind or posture. But nonetheless, he is going to God. And that's the thing. We can't, oftentimes I've come, I come across people, even myself, where we have this urge to first be right, then come to God. It's like, why don't you come to church, right? And the answer sometimes would be, Oh, I want to be right before I come to, back to church. I got to be right before I come to God. Dog, you don't get right and then come to God. You come to God to get right. It's the other way around. And so therefore, we need to understand that oftentimes, there's no such thing as self-help Christianity because it's all driven by grace, right? Grace of God restores and heals us. So therefore, what can we do? Show up. You may not be 100% there. You may not be have the 100% right motives. Again, these things, I believe, when we humbly approach God in our brokenness, he will restore us to the wholeness that we need in him. So show up. Show up. And that's the thing that I had to really remind myself in my sabbatical was there will never be a time where you're going to be 100% right and then you're ready to go to ministry. Obviously, there's, you know, you got to exercise wisdom, you know, talk to f friends and family that are truly hearing from God for you 
to know when the right time to come back is or in terms of ministry or even church or whatnot, right? But let's say specific for me. There's not going to be a, a moment where I'm going to be 100%. I'm good. Now I can come back. I'm always going to be a work in progress. You and I are always going to be a work in progress. So therefore, our best bet is not to hide away permanently until we get it right because then we'll never come back. But come a time where we're going to eventually have to come back even though we're not 100% there and realize that God is the one that's going to heal us, restore us, build us in any and all situations that we find ourselves in, right? So Habakkuk complains and God gives an answer. And this is where the crisis of faith happens. In verse 5, it says, Look, this is God talking. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Now you stop right there. You're thinking, oh, 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 okay. All right, God, so you're going to do something crazy that I can't even imagine? And you could maybe even expect that God's going to do something crazy. Like he's going to bring his right hand of justice and just correct everything. The righteous will rise up. The wicked will be destroyed and everything is great again. And you could see like uh, maybe a positive expectation of Habakkuk's prayer slash complaint. And let's be honest, a lot of times our prayers can be complaints, be fulfilled according to how we see it. But that's not how what God means when he says that line. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Because what's the next line? Verse 6. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. Stop right there. Habakkuk gets a response. God responds. But the Lord's solution is not aligned with Habakkuk's expectation. And because what's going on? He's saying, God, my people are corrupt. The leadership's corrupt. Come fix it. And God says, dog, I'm about to do something that even you wouldn't dare believe if believe it if I told you. And what's the solution? I'm going to use people more wicked than you to judge you. And then Habakkuk is like, what? How is this even possible? And we're going to go a little bit deeper into that, but Habakkuk had an expectation of a solution, but the Lord completely unraveled that expectation saying, but this is my plan. But this is my plan. And the oftentimes when it comes to our faith, God's going to do that with us. He's going to, he's going to straight up uno reverse our expectations in the sense that when we look when we come with an expectation that this is how it should be done, sometimes God will do it that way. But I come to notice, and this is more anecdotal, that oftentimes that the Lord would provide a solution that is not our solution. And if anything, we are now met with the crisis of faith. What do we do? Because you know what? Your solution may even be quote-unquote biblical or aligned with biblical values because the solution that God gives seems nonsensical. 
It seems like out of the ordinary. It doesn't seem to line up with God's character. And that is where we have faith of crisis or crisis of faith. And we're left with one or two options. When God doesn't answer our prayers according to how he we want, we're either going to, one, stick around and trust, or two, walk away bitter and say, this is all a facade. This is not real. This faith thing sucks. It just doesn't work. Right? And so we see Habakkuk's response in verse 12. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? A man I'm going to stop right there. That's very important. He says, how can you remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? Habakkuk compares. Habakkuk compares morality and righteousness between him, Israel, with the Chaldeans. A nation that's known for brutal, brutally slaughtering people, conquering and worshiping their idols pretty blatantly and blasphemously, right? He's saying, they're more wicked than us. How can you use them to judge us? We're more righteous, which is technically true. But when this also reveals another perception of Habakkuk, which we all tend to do anyways, even to this day, where we, when we look at the evil when we look at evil situations, we begin to start doing this thing where we do a comparison based on a standard, on human standards, than God's. Now, this is going to be a little rough, but just stick with me here. Habakkuk, in this moment, his metric of morality is actually not God, but more based on humanity. Because he's saying, Look at them. They're worse than us. We're higher up on this morality ladder. How could you use them to judge us? Because we're better. But then if the metric and standard of morality is God himself, who is above both people, both parties, then the reality is the Chaldeans and the Israelites, Habakkuk included, are in the same boat. They're no better than each other. And therefore, when, hum when we make the metric or the standard of right and wrong based on human standards, we can then engage in comparing to one another. But if God is the standard, then that comparison is out the window because we all suck. We're all in the same boat. But when we use human standards, we can separate into compartments and start grading each other and saying, okay, you're worse than me, I'm better than you, and therefore what really happens is not that sin is dealt with, but we never look at the plank in our own eyes. And Jesus talks about that later, right? And so the thing is Habakkuk cannot comprehend the solution because it doesn't line up with his expectation. 
So he has he's having a crisis of faith. And therefore, what we're going to see is that he decides to choose. You know, spoiler, he chooses option one. He sticks around. But oftentimes, I see people, and me included in my time, in my life, that we don't stick around because it goes back to our perception of God. Do we trust God or not? If we do, we stick around in the discomforting unknown of things that just do not make sense. And that's where I kind of want to stop it right there for today's episode. As we go into episode two and three and closing out Habakkuk, is that in the midst of crisis of faith, do we have a strong enough perception and trust in who God is through his revealed word and our experiences that we will be willing and more more than willing, just committed and convicted to sit and stick with God, whether it means to keep showing up to church, showing up to that devotional, showing up to that prayer, um, living consistently according to the faith that we know, according to the word. Do we do those things in the midst of the unknown or do we slowly slip away and start looking for human solutions, looking to our Egypt or our Assyria to bail us out in tough times. Because when we have these moments of crisis in our faith, we have to really ask ourselves, ultimately, whom or who or what do we trust to bail us out? And so what we're seeing is that ultimately we're going to see Habakkuk's heart. Will it transform? Will it grow? Or will it eventually walk away in bitterness? And when you when we get to it, when we get to it, when we get to the last chapter and the last line, it is one of my most like favorite scenes in the Bible because that's the posture that I want in my life. And we'll get there. We'll get there. If you want to re- skip ahead and read, you might not even catch it. I don't even know. But it's one of my favorite images and postures of faith. And so, a little spoiler, but this is my comeback episode. Hopefully, you guys had a great time with me in this episode. If not, um, whatever. Uh, it's going to be a good year. I know every pastor says that in January 1st or the last day of December of the previous year. But uh, I'm really praying and contending for a revival of healing in the hearts of his people in the church. It's time to get out of the whatever COVID funk we had, whatever drama that we've been in the past three years or, or whatnot or the past season. And it's really time to move forward and heal. And so I really am praying and contending for that for myself individually and corporately for the body of Christ and the people around the world, all right? Be blessed. See you next time.